Hey everybody, welcome again to the Aaron Burdoff Food and Wine Experience Podcast. Today on the show, I've got Chad Johnson of Dustin Valley, which is out in Walla Walla, Washington. He is one of the owners, one of the vintners, one of the wine growers, as you will hear him explain, of that winery. Uh, I've known Chad for years, and quite frankly, this is the first time I've been able to get him to sit down and give me his entire life story. He was fortunately in town for the Minnesota Wine and Food Show. Uh, the Washington State Trade and Media Tasting, which was right after that, which is where I caught up with him. And, of course, to hawk his wine all over the Midwest. He's an extremely busy guy traveling all over the place right now, one of the hard workers out there. Um, I, You know, I really wanted to interview Chad because I think he has a very unique and very uh, American story. He, you know, came from the Midwest, and he and his wife and his brother-in-law and his wife as well have all been building this winery essentially from scratch. So it's really interesting story, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, one note, this interview was done at the Crooked Pint in downtown Minneapolis, and uh, there was a little noisy in parts, mainly because of Betsy who uh, from Tennessee, who I think lost a contact over at the bar, so she made a bit of a ruckus, but uh, you won't hear her too much, and just ignore her when she pops up. We, we, we certainly try to. Anyway, Betsy, uh, enjoy it. Have you been to all the breweries in Minneapolis? No, I haven't been any. I've I don't think anybody sure. has. There are yeah, too many. It's, <laughs> it's been cool watching it uh, pop up over the last few years. Definitely. Yeah. When you get to the point, I'm sure things are kind of saturated and people are going to start falling off and people like that in there for the wrong reasons are probably not good business sense and people yeah. that are confusing cash flow with profit. And it works <laughs> out. <laughs> Those business decisions. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so how this works is I ask you a lot of questions. Okay. And you get to tell me your life story, and that's, that's pretty much it. But, I mean, so this past week, you're in town, came in, what, Friday? Yeah, I actually uh, spent last week in Chicago. Oh, really? Working the market there with Janet. How, how many days would you say you're traveling versus back in Washington? Um, well, we just signed up with, you know, with Dreyfus Ashby? They're, um, they're basically domain brewing out of... Put the bone, largest landholders in Chablis. Yep. Um, and Domain Druin in Oregon is their Oregon property. So this is their national kind of marketing sales company. Okay. And they do a bunch of import stuff, but they didn't have any other domestic line with them. And we've been looking for kind of that national sales broker for a while, trying to figure yep. out how to stuff's selling wine, right? Yeah. It's getting tougher every day. Consolidation on the distributor side, I mean, just up and down chain retail. Um, so we were looking at developing a national sales force. Okay. Four regional people, five regional people, and then you got to make more wine to pay them. His are good. Um, we're partnering with somebody like that, so we've been talking probably for four years for a number of different people and find, find a good partner. So we just signed up with them. We just switched over to their national, basically their national distribution network. Yeah. It's different than states. So we're running around this first part of the year. I'm booked. If not three, four weeks a month yeah. on the road. I think there's one where I'm seven, eight weeks in a row on the road and back. Wow. And I try not to do more than the two weeks because after two weeks I start just making fucking stories up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's sick of hearing myself talk about it. Just my wine. Buy it, please. It's magic. It's actually pure magic in the bottle. Excellent. Uh, so yeah, so that's changed because normally I, I wasn't on the road quite that much. Yeah. Uh, but I did, uh, with this transition, we figured we'd be, I needed to hire someone some help in production. Mm -hmm. So we just hired a, a full-time winemaker. 
uh, as part of the winemaking team. It's kind of still wine by committee. Um, so I could be out on the road more and not have to worry about things falling through the cracks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so kind of your official point. title right now is what? Owner, founder? Corey and I call ourselves wine growers. Okay. Kind of that more European idea of, because uh, we grow grapes and, uh, yep. you know, being around, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. So we, I think it's uh, both of us are wine grower, co owner, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, there's a lot of ego in this business, and we kind really? of separate ourselves <laughs> from that a little bit. Um, we just we don't have it. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, thank you so much. Uh, I'll just deal with that. <laughs> Are you guys having any food today? I'm good for now. Good. Okay. Let me know if you need thank food. You. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's like when we hired uh, Griff. Winemaker, it's like, uh, you know, what's my title going to be? It's like, what do you want your title to be? <laughs> you already know what you're going to make, so yeah, we yeah. don't care. Well, how big's the operation? Now? Well, it's growing and growing, and growing, right? Yeah, the growing things are good, so we're kind of going through a bit of that. So we have Thusset uh, Valley's kind of our more state-driven ultra-premium, which we're trying to get back to 50% of state, which will be at, uh, we've got enough in for about 10,000 cases this year, just over, of which we'll release probably about 8,000. We um, force rank our lots and then declassify them. So some of that goes into Boomtown or some of it gets, a lot of it gets so bulk. Uh, Boontown with uh, this vintage, a 2014 vintage, will be about 30,000 cases, mm-hmm. which will be 50,000 by 2019, especially with a new sales partner. Dusty okay. um, Valley will be 15,000 cases, and we have another project we call Vibor Wine Company, which we're doing control labels for Whole Foods, Total, and a couple other places, uh, and then we leverage that for placements with Boontown and Dusty Valley. And, nice. Yeah. So... Yeah, well, in terms of staff, though, what staff? Permanent yeah. staff, let's call it. So we 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 make all the one with us at Valley, yeah. and uh, so we've got three people in the cellar now with Griff, um, and then there's the four of us. Have you met Corey or probably not Cindy? Corey, my brother-in-law, he's been back here a couple times for like a, for a show or two. Uh, Janet, my wife, so that's the, the core ownership group because mm-hmm. you can always overwork and underpay yourselves. Right. Um, then we have one other person, uh, Chelsea, with PR and marketing in Walla Walla. Okay. We have a couple part-time people in the tasting room. And then we have a tasting room in Woodenville, mm-hmm. which is where St. Michelle is, which will be kind of that, that cluster, and that's become pretty crazy up there. Uh, and we have one full-time person managing and then six, seven part-time people. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you're getting there. Not quite a corporate winery. No, we don't want to. And, the, and then with uh, Boomtown, that's all contracted fruit, virtually unless it's a little declassified Dusty Valley. Yeah. And we're contracted at Wally Wine Company to mm-hmm. make that. So nice. kind of control the process. So, I mean, there's no way we're going to build a winery. We don't, rednecks from Wisconsin don't come for money. So everything, I mean, we started with $35,000 a piece that we put in and we just worked with the bank and leveraged everything. Yeah. I get where we are and want to maintain our ownership and not dilute that and have to deal with other personalities and other weird things. Well, all that fun stuff. Good now, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, to build a 25,000 case winery and turn around, we're growing to 50,000 cases in a couple of years. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So it's worked yeah. out very well. Got a model. Good. Yeah. For us to be successful and be able to grow because literally everything we do and make is just put back into the company to grow production. Right. Inventory. Right. Cool. And big year for us, Mark. Here we're actually building a winery. 
Excellent. This year, and we had, wow. we've been making wine at another facility since 05, and before that, there were a couple of facilities. So, we have our very own 1,000 square foot winery. Cool. Well, let's get back to that uh, rednecks from Wisconsin. Yeah. So, you are from Wisconsin. Which part of Wisconsin? Graduated from Triple Falls. Triple Falls. Uh, and then the rest of uh, the family. Corey, Cindy, and uh, Janet lived just outside of Wausau. Okay. And then started at Eau Claire, but got kicked out. <laughs> I hear a lot of people get kicked drinking out. Drinking and smoking <laughs> weed and everything but going to class. Went out to California for three years. Uh, came back, graduated from Stout. That's okay. where met Janet. Yeah, yeah. What'd you do in California? What, I mean, what was the impetus? I mean, there's obviously yeah. the classic, I just want to get out of here and go to California. But yeah, there was, was there anything more than that? Or? Yeah. Uh, spent five years out there. Um, went out, had the my car packed, went out for a summer job, knew and I wasn't coming back pretty much. Yeah. Didn't. Uh, live in Tahoe, and that's really not California. It's kind of like the top of the world up there. Right. And then went down to Chico a little bit, check that out, down in the Bay Area. Um, so you're floating, floating yeah, yeah. jobs? Uh, yeah. yeah, there was a time where it was kind of chasing a few demons and yeah. got in some trouble and spent a little time in jail down there. Yeah. You got to see all the sides of it. And graduated from that, and uh, went back to Tahoe for a little last year and a half up there. Went to Tree a little bit. I moved back to uh, Stout to our food science degree. Okay. And what kind of like family background did you come from? Are you coming from an agriculture or anything in the food side of it? You know, the, uh, the other three lived, grew up in farms. Yeah. And I did, I worked on, definitely worked on some farms while I was back there in Wisconsin. Uh, you have to, right, at yeah. some point. <laughs> uh, but not really. It, my, you know, my grandfather was definitely through. He ran the student union yeah. Stout. So was, he always had that food background. It was always... Mom didn't do a lot of cooking a little bit. Yeah. Um, definitely wasn't a wine culture that we were raised in. You know, my uncle drank PBR and Mountain Dew. Yep. Said water would rust the pipes. Yep. And back then, I mean, they didn't have a lot of wineries back in Wisconsin. No. I mean, they're starting now. But. Yeah. The, uh, so I got into it when I was in California. You know, yeah. fine dining. Yeah. Like okay. a lot of people get into it, you know, through restaurant experience and things like that. Mm-hmm. Had a couple of wine epiphanies. My first one was a uh, 1990 Silver Oak Cab, of all things, and I got a poster of it. People give me so much shit about that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's you got to start somewhere, right? Alexander yeah. Valley. Yeah. Um, you know, and I had a couple Washington wine epiphanies, uh, and it continued to have some Washington wine that's like, holy crap, we can do this. It's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, was that what kind of drove the, the food science degree? Or? Uh, I love science um, and love food, I guess. And so, you combined the I two? Don't know. Yeah, I was going to do food biochemistry down at UC Davis. Yeah. But I was going to have to wait a year plus maybe to get in. Uh, so, I called my mom. She was, uh, I remember what her job was, someone in counseling at uh, Stout. They had just developed this food systems technology degree with an emphasis in food science. They had four different things. Um, and she was still living there, and I graduated from, uh, obviously, high school in Wisconsin, uh, yeah. Wisconsin, so I got residency. And I just said, 
fuck it, at that point, it had taken me, it took me 10 years to graduate from college after high school, and there were lots of distractions in between. I attended four places of higher education, the last one being Stout. Yeah. So I was ready to do it, or I might not do it. Right. So I was like, <laughs> all in, go, shit, or get off the pot. Yeah. <laughs> so you went to Stout, then you moved to Washington. What was that? Yeah, so we actually moved, uh, yeah, so we, uh, and had been thinking about wine and maybe doing that as a dream someday to get out and get yeah. Were you the only guy at Stout bringing a bottle of wine to the house parties? Or <laughs> was some of that? We, uh, when I met Janet, we went on spring break, we went down to Healdsburg. Okay. So yeah, it was pretty much that guy. Nice. And it just was consuming, love wine. Yeah, yeah. Um, when we graduated, Janet graduated six months before me. She was out in Pittsburgh. But then her job with for Hormel doing food service sales transfer in Minneapolis when I graduated. Moved in up here with her and stayed for a year. Um, then she was transferred to Portland. Mm-hmm. So we got to Portland and got more and more into wine. Um, spent a lot of time out, you know, in the Willamette in the basically the Oregon wine scene. A good friend of ours, uh, Ryan Waugh, was making wine down in Napa. I think he started in old one vintage. Going down for his release parties. And at some point, Corey and I are trying to get out of corporate marriage. It's like, this asshole can do it. We can do it too. Man. I've always had this thing if with the Midwest for ethic and reasonable intelligence. I've just had this thing in my mind that if somebody else is doing it, I can do it at least as good if not better if I give my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you did it. And Corey, <laughs> Corey was looking to get out of corporate America. At this time, I started working in pharmaceuticals. Okay. And that was sucking up my soul, like, immediately. <laughs> healthcare and, you know, you're in healthcare. Uh, yeah. So profit and healthcare, and it's just, it's kind of a weird dynamic anyways, but then you see how the pharmaceutical companies run their business and how they dole out drugs and extended release bullshit, and then, yeah. It's like, just, these are your five sound bites. This is what you talked to the doctor about. Right. It yeah. just, but good money, company car, all that stuff. So did that for a while. And that was, Jan got into it as well. Corey is doing it. After yeah. He's a business guy and did investments for a long time. And so you've got three of you at this point that are like, we should start a winery. We should do something mm-hmm. in this area. Yeah, because we've been vacationing. We married, we, Corey and I met dating the girls back in college. Yeah. Going back to the Crowdsy Acres and became friends, we married the girls, started hanging out together, doing some of these vacation things. So we're always brainstorming you know, yeah, what yeah. we do. We, he comes from a very entrepreneurial family, and that was definitely his background, mm-hmm. and not so much for me, but I just knew I'd be working for myself, doing something I wanted to do eventually, someday, <laughs> if I could figure out how to make money at it. Yeah. Not that I'm making money now, but... Um, so... They've been out to the Pacific Northwest a couple times. They really like the Pacific Northwest. And they wanted to move. And kind of writing was on the wall in pharmaceuticals that they were starting to really do a lot of downsizing. I think yeah. they made it through at least two, Janet, three, Corey, a couple. Um, yeah, that was up for a promotion, but it wasn't within the company. You either kind of go work at home office or you get into management or you get into, if you want to do the sales, then you get into specialty sales. Yeah. And I just went back to New Jersey to do help with training and Jersey. Uh, you know, offered a job, turned it down, they wanted to get me into management. I, like, I don't want to manage a bunch of salespeople either. Not really. Yep. Uh, so 
I was going to do specialty sales, got the offer. We are going to have to move to Spokane. Janet sat me down. It's like, you're a miserable bastard. You hate what you're doing. You're trying to put lipstick on a cake. Yeah. It's the same job. You're going to be bored in a year. And I don't want to move to Spokane. So why don't you chase your dream? Because I've been, we've been talking about this. There's a lot of research on Long Eastern Washington. Never been to Eastern Washington yet. Yep. Um, love Pinot Noir, drink the shit out of it, and not just want to make 10 single vineyard Pinot Noirs and, you know, yep. and I'm like, Uve. love this Eastern Washington wine. So I, after that conversation, literally, uh, as a week and a half later, drove out to Walla Walla, stayed for the weekend, came back, and we moved within a month and a half. Wow. So what year is this? What? 2003. And Corey, Corey and Cindy, we packed up the U-Haul and they drove us out and they wanted to do it too, but they just wanted to check it out, obviously, before they did it. And they moved a few months after that. Wow. Wow. And so at this point, I mean, Washington as a, a wine state is not internationally renowned. It's not even nationally really out in the forefront, but it's, it's you know, right on that cusp. The yeah, so swing, I guess, at that point. It's a lot of potential. Uh, even today, we have about a four and a half percent market share. Yeah. Uh, but we only compete at, you know, that $7 and above because you can't grow the grapes per, per tons per acre. You can Lodi and stuff like California. Yep. Um, so there's not that many of us that make enough wine to even distribute. Yeah. I think it's happened. I mean, it's like people come, it's like, yeah, but I can't get these wines. They come to Washington State. Those are great. Unless you get on an email list or something, you're not going to crack at them. Yeah. So I guess part of it. Uh, the 11 and a half million cases, close to 12 million now, that come out of Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Michelle, Columbia Crest, Main St. Michelle, Red Diamond, and goes on and on and on. Yeah. Makes close to 8 million. Of them. Yeah. So, you know, the next, now, I think Precept is up to a million, and then after that, it's down to like 300, 400,000, right. and then it drops off pretty quick. It's so. a long tail. <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, as some of us start, like, Boomtown, is like it's the 50,000 and 100,000 cases or something, you're going to have a number of those brands out there, you're going to have a presence. Yeah. You know, those are going to be everywhere, and people are going to know it's Washington State. Right. One thing as well. We sell fruit to uh, St. Michelle. We did. We don't anymore, actually. Um, so you, they go to they have like a State of the Union, State of Washington wine speech, and you put that basically gets up there in talks. Mm-hmm. They did a post-purchase survey of all the products, you know, somebody just right after they bought them, and asking those people where Columbia Valley was. And what do you think they say? Almost 70% said California. Really? Because people think domestic wine. They don't know it's Washington yep. State. So we make sure to put Washington State as well on all the bottles. You get into that. As well as Columbia Valley. Right. So right. That's part of it, too. People just, although we think, you know, we're important, or people might know we're Columbia Valley. No. Right. And you get, and you get east very far, and they talk about Washington or Oregon. They don't oh, we make Pinot. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, Pinot's Willamette. We're the desert, you know, but... It's just kind of that Pacific Northwest kind of loops together out there. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, so even as a wine drinker in 2002, were you, how much was Washington on your map in terms of yeah, well, drinking wine? We drink actually quite a bit of Washington. A lot of California uh, really started drinking more European stuff, yeah. for sure, uh, for a few years before that. But Washington wine was at the liquor stores and grocery stores, so yeah. I, I'd actually okay. but okay. I love Italian wine drink a lot of Italian wine yeah. I can afford Burgundy I'll do that <laughs> um, it really 
Yeah, we still do. I mean, it's kind of benchmarking ourselves against the world, so we know, because I know a lot of people in Washington that, you know, they drink their own wine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. If you grow it, you make it. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it means, but that's all I drink. Mm-hmm. All right, so 2002, you're moving out there, you're doing it. Yeah, 03. Uh, yeah. No, 03, okay. So, I mean, how, how did that process happen? Were you searching for, like, investors at that point? Did you just, yeah, so, were you able to just buy the land? And, so, uh, coming from kind of those guys' farming background, we didn't, in doing a business plan, it didn't make sense to grow food. Yeah. And take that risk. Right, 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 right. So we didn't do that until 2006, and then we bought a vineyard because okay. we couldn't. All right, do it. You yes. wanted to make wine right away, and then yeah. eventually get to the grape. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, we were going to do the grape thing, but we just kind of couldn't help ourselves. <laughs> eventually, you go back to the source. And mm-hmm. yeah. Um. And we actually, the first year we moved out there, we weren't going to actually make wine. Okay. We were going to, I was going to volunteer and do as much as I could around winery and kind of get the feel for it. And then in the next vintage, or four, we were going to be our first vintage. Mm-hmm. The great thing about pharmaceuticals is, you know, I could run around and get my day done pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> or a week done in three days. And I was working with these partners, so I couldn't push them any further. That's, that's, a, that's a finite amount of work. And I'm efficient. I know how it goes. So, uh, <laughs> I was at this huge Eastern Washington territory. So, yeah. I got transferred out, kind of gave my, all my extra responsibility away, and took a kind of a, a sideways lateral position, if you will. Yeah. Lost a little bit extra pay and stuff for some things I was doing. Um, on pharma. So, I had this thing where I drove all around Eastern Washington. I was stopped by the wineries, you know, yeah. talking to vintners, vineyard managers really trying to figure out what we wanted to do kind of stylistically we know we knew wines we liked and tasting those to see what people are doing with them and probably get a better beat on it I guess they ran across some grapes uh, first Monte Cologne Chardonnay planted in the state in 1971 and I get my hands on some some new Nancy Cooler site uh, Syrah so I asked Corey at this point it's like dude you want to do it? yeah and so okay let's make it happen we had already filed a paper we got licensed. We didn't have a label yet. Okay. We didn't figure out the name yet. <laughs> the details, the heavy details. Yeah. It, I mean, to, yeah, at that point, it was like, we're, we're going to be bottling the whites soon. We need to yeah. get a label down. Right. right. Well, how, so how uh, easy was kind of the, the onboarding process of setting up a winery in Washington State at that you point? Know, we we uh, hired a consultant to actually help with the, the paperwork and the oh, things. Okay. So that wasn't too bad. Um, it is, you know, the TTB, it's the feds back there on the ATS, so it's nothing's easy. Right. And lots of red tape. And, um, so the consultant was worth the price, whatever yeah. you paid for. Yeah. So that was all good. Uh, negotiating by fruit, people are really kicked back to Washington. Mm-hmm. It was easy, and we made wine with Steve Lazard, uh, with sellers at that point, who's gone to farm. He uh, is part owner in Curtis now. Mm-hmm. Um, ran into him and asked him if he'd help us make wine. Yeah. Year and he said, sure. He said, you know, for some reason you're asking the right questions. And yeah, let's, let's do it. So it was like 13 tons or something like that. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, and then after that, we were kind of out on our own. How nervous were you after you bought the grapes? 
I'm a risk taker. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely have some anxiety about things. I, I've had a lot of heartburn and anxiety as we've grown, and all of a sudden we're responsible for people's yeah. families and banging them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but don't worry about it. And Steve, I love Steve's wines. Okay. I know he wasn't going to screw it up. And, yeah. But it, so it was cool. I wish I, I wish you'd have been more open about how we make wine or why this is, but... He was a little close to this, and he was kind of, he's actually a food scientist, but he's kind of an art, art, arty guy. Right. More about yep. the numbers or something like yep. that. Yep. So, it was good. Good. Wines, wines were really showed well. You know, got some decent press right out of the gate, so that always helped a new label. Mm-hmm. A lot easier to make wine than it is to sell it. Yep. So then it's that part of the reality of that kicks in. <laughs> the marketing. And then you got to, yeah, if it's red or buying more grains before this last vintage release so it's the cash cycle and the business is really slow right um, so you're talking you know especially if you're planting something and that's going to be your state vineyard it's even oh, another three years but it seems like it's like a five year six year thing for a lot of people before they realize they need to slow down and sell before they're making a lot more and kind of yeah there, there is no backlog yeah, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately interesting so would you consider yourself more the uh, artistic yeah. winemaker or more the science driven you know I never thought of myself as an art artful person left yeah. brain right brain um, definitely have a science background so I tend to approach things with a little bit more of them but definitely don't do wine by the numbers mm-hmm. uh, but when you're making a large volume of wine you you have to have quality control and QA and stuff built into the process, and then you become a little more number driven. Yeah. And I learned all that on the food production side, anyways, with that background. Yeah. Um, and then there's also a little bit of uh, stylistically, you know, choosing a house style where you go to, and you're sourcing fruit that hopefully maintains its acid. It's one of the things about Washington State, we don't have to add much. Yep. You know, and putting all those pieces of the puzzle together, there's definitely some art involved. I'm going to blend especially, certainly, certainly. Um, so I think yeah, it's a, I think for me it was a good marriage both. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Well, so when you came into Washington State, I mean, the, right now there's a huge influence of French varietal scene. So you've got your your caps, your Malo blends, your Bordeaux blends, and yeah. you've got a lot of rum blends, so Syrah heavy kind of things, and some GSM blends. Was that already established when you were there, or I mean, have you noticed? Uh, Growth in that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would say the biggest growth would be in the you know the Syrah Rhone side of things. Okay. Um, as far as Bordelais varietals, you know Malbec. There's been a lot more of that planted, and that's doing well. And, uh, we think it has a great future in the state. Well, they're one of the few who have released you know a Malbec straight up. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of them were using it for blending, but yeah, they're well. And if you get out there, there there'll be there's a lot of small lot style. Right? Okay. Yeah. No, back. It's, you know that doesn't need to taste in room or just taste in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, you know Merlot, it's with the public, it's kind of fell out of favor. It's coming back, and Washington Merlot, I think, is one of its signature varietals, and it was his first signature red because of the whole big boom of Merlot. But it's just yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, To me, it's so much better than anything coming out of California. It's just so much more structured and there's kind of harkens back to that old world slash new world flavor characteristics and structure and acid. Mm-hmm. Um, but now the critics want to talk about Syrah. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to pin something on Washington State, you know, Oregon peanut. Yeah. It's easy. Right. Uh, 
that's their blessing and curse. Now there's only 50% of the stuff they have planted in Oregon. They can't sell anything else in the national marketplace. They're having a hard time with it. We're, we're kind of the opposite, the blessing and the curse, is there's no one signature varietal. There are 100-point cabs, there's high 90-point Syrahs and Grenaches, all sorts of stuff right. out of the state. So that's what is Washington known for, people, you know. I think that's part of it. You're talking about on the cusp of finding us out, yep. discovering Washington State. But they're discovering a bunch of different routes from Washington State. Right, right, so right. How do you, yeah, so how do you, get, how do you define it at that yeah. point? Yeah, so it kind of, and so I've been, I was on the Washington State Wine Commission for three years. Mm-hmm. And we came up with a five-year plan and the fillers and trying to figure out where all that uh, what, what do you push? We're pushing all the varieties. Instead of trying to pick just one. Interesting. It might just, it might just take one. And I think is the wine industry in Washington starts to develop. When you get some age, you're going to start seeing... You're already seeing that. It's, you know, Yakima Valley, most of it. There's some warmer spots in it, but our cooler sites are more you know, the, one of the white wine you know, bread baskets for the state. Mm-hmm. Warmer sites in Waldoop Slope and Horse Evan Hills and the Reds. Um, St. Michelle has pushed that a lot as well. Obviously, yep. they're making a lot of wine and growing a lot of grapes. Um, so I think with time, I think you'll start to see maybe well, Walla Valley kind of known for something a little different than Yakima versus Red Mountains, you know, kind of cab country, big red. So I think that'll start to, I, don't, I guess, sort of self out a little bit. But to me, it's it's almost ahead of our time because so many people don't know what Washington is yet to know what Yakima is or Red Mountain, a subset of Yakima Valley, of Columbia Valley. Yeah. All that funny stuff. Let's go back to the Washington Wine. What was their official name? Washington State Wine Commission. State Wine Commission. How did you get involved in that? Um, so it's a. Uh, they're charged with promoting uh, awareness of Washington State Wine and basically driving. You know, driving sales. Uh, it's a governmental organization. Yeah, and for voluntary for marketing, not necessarily agriculture and wine. Well, there's an education piece in there, too. Okay. Uh, but yeah, basically just the marketing stuff. Yeah. Uh, which are 13 board members, half, pretty much half of them are producers and half are growers. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because there's even very few of the producers make enough wine to really understand the national marketplace and sales that are directing the producers certainly don't know yeah. directing the marketing machine that is this was a little frustrating at times. yeah right so no uh, distributor was there, there, the no there is a distributor it's a non-voting member okay. distributor position on there and then there's a uh, a fruit uh, winery position that uh, is non-voting as well okay yeah, yeah. um so there was a position that opened up. Corey was going to, Corey, my brother-in-law, is the president of the Walla Valley Wine Alliance. He's done that for a couple of terms now. And so we decided we were going to give back. It was time. We've been in business for a while. And we do it all the time. I was going to say it's a volunteer position. So, right? yeah. So a position came up that I, I could, because it was a small grower position, plus than 50 acres, that I qualified for. Um, so I took a grower position. And went through the process and was recommended by Wake and the Washington Association. Great growers. Yeah. Um, it was. It was. It was. It was very educational. Good experience. Uh, but it's. 
It's government. <laughs> okay, well, well, what was education by? I assume you didn't get drunk with power. No, <laughs> not at all. Um, but things move very slow. Yeah. Um, and that's a self-proclaimed thing instead of just... You know, when you're used to making, you have your own business, making decisions, so you turn on a dime, going through this process is very different. Because you talk about things, you talk about it again, and talk about it again. At this point, I'm like, are we really fucking talking about this again? Are we going to do something? Right. Yeah. Interesting. But you have a pretty big budget, right? There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, I think it's three and a half million. It's ten dollars a ton yeah. produced and twelve cents a gallon. Uh, so in Washington State, it's a compulsory assessment that's fun. And then most of our uh, the basically federal matching dollars for the export program. Okay. Work so it's yeah. I mean, it's real. But sometimes I think there's too much money to really go about that versus like the Minnesota thing. You know? I'm the one who started that. And they've got a staff of how many people and do you know, how much money? Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. 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 So, it, it was good, though. It was good. And Corey's doing a great job at the Wine Alliance. It's cool. A level of professionalism to it. Everyone yeah. great things. Um, so what, what would you say you got out of it in terms of educational what was, what was the main well, thing? I, I, I definitely helped. Yeah, definitely helped me learn the big business okay. of wine because Saint Michelle is a big part of that. Yeah, um, and how they go about it, and go to market, and working with some of their people in other markets as well as here in Minnesota, um, and just looking at how to brand Washington because yeah. um, we still do that. I mean, we. We're, when we're out on the road, it's not necessarily Washington first or Dustin Valley. I mean, it's Dustin Valley, but Washington is really part of our story. And try to give people a place of origin and understanding so they can geek out of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an important part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whole narrative aspect. Yeah, and that's a... I mean, I've been on a, a couple boards before, but it's small things. So this was a, a government mm-hmm. thing. And then there were rules and exactly what you could do. And, yeah. So, it was good. Would, did you open up your uh, wooden bill tasting room before or after? Six years ago. Okay. Before. Yeah, it's, uh, so you already knew you had to like directly tap into that Seattle. Yeah, it made a lot of sense. You know, we started seeing sixty-five percent of our people um, coming through our Walla Walla tasting room from Puget Sound. Okay. And subsequently, same you know percentage pretty much for our wine club. Yeah. And we, we've been talking about going up there for a few years, mm-hmm. and we finally at the point where we thought we could do it and manage it, because we didn't want it to be a giant headache and just time suck. So we did it, like I said, six years ago. Um, first Walla Walla winery up there, and one of the like, second or third from outside of Woodville that people started putting taste rooms open. Yeah. Uh, there were, I think there were six on this particular corner, and now there's like 36 taste rooms. Mm-hmm. And there's spirits and mead on that corner, so it's really well done. Yeah. And our taste room doubled, or excuse me, our wine uh, club literally doubled within yeah. a year. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the most disparate things I think I know about Washington is you have your, your wine 
wheat-growing regions over on the eastern side, mostly yep. southeast, and then you have your wine-drinking population over yeah. in Puget Sound at that point. And what Walla Walla encompasses, you know, like, what, 1% of the entire state in terms of geographic Yeah, I mean, it's just a little... 35,000. How much wine comes out of... I mean, how many grapes come out of Walla Walla? Well, planted, we only have 2,000 acres planted in the valley or just over that. Yeah. So there's not as much planted. There will be more planted. Uh, but they're definitely producing more wine. A lot of people bring stuff in from out throughout the valley. Columbia Valley. Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 Precept located there. Uh, Long Shadows. Barely bought any Walla fruit, but located there. Um, so it's definitely the, the gem yeah, right. of the Washington wine. Yeah. It's certainly the wine tourism industry as well. Mm-hmm. We're blessed with a little great downtown. More and more wineries come, more restaurants come. It's just kind of a cycle of yeah. it's really taking a tumbleweed town from what I've heard of. Um, what it is today. There's an economic impact study, I think it was three years old now. Yeah. Um, but they look at uh, the amount of population directly developing production of wine or wine tourism. And, you know, 20 years ago, it was a tenth of a, tenth of a percent. Right, right. And by 2017, it's 18% mm-hmm. of the Walla Walla County residents will be employed yep. directly or indirectly to wine tourism. I'm good for now. Thank you. So how are the uh, real estate prices reflecting that? It's actually uh, probably not as affordable as you would think it would be for being out in the middle of nowhere. Um, When we moved from Vancouver, which was kind of a commuter residence place for Portland, uh, I think its cost of living index was like 98%. So it wasn't that much less. I definitely had a little bit of a bubble and slowed down, not quite the reduction in those larger cities, but real estate markets pick it back up. Are you noticing then the vineyard prices for lands out there too? Or is... There's some of that, but most of the development is actually happening in the Oregon side okay. of the valley. Yep. Um, the vineyard prices have kind of been static okay. for a while. Yep. That's nice. Except for the rocks that is going up. Yep. It just got its new ABA, so there's a lot of attention yep. down there. Yep. Have you been part of any developments of new ABAs at all? Uh, well, we, the Rocks District of Milton Freewater is the newest ABA, and that's actually solely on the Oregon side of the Walla Walla Valley. Yeah. Um, we've been part of some of the meetings, and, but we're not part of the pushing organization for that. Because um, <laughs> they don't care about Well, we have land there. Oh, really? And yeah, or, or Stony Vine. Yeah. So oh, that's right. You make uh, your rosé, right, from there? Rosé, yeah. and then uh, we're doing Coltail Syrah, it's called. Yep. From there. So that's... Yep. It's important to us, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily like the way they want to it. Thank you for yep. time. Gorgeous. Um, and then it goes back to the, for me, the point of we're subdividing ABA, so it's putting a lot of time and energy into promoting their one piece of land because they're super excited about it. Yeah. It's taking away from the greater overall Walla Walla story, which I think is more important at this point. And, uh, well, I mean, you mentioned before that you're still, when you tell your story, you're still starting off Washington. We are from Washington in terms of education. Yeah. 
so, yeah, no, you get that. That's, that's good. Wow. So where where are you going next in terms of Dustin Valley? Besides well, expansion, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's probably the big part. Trying to figure out, we'd like to get a little bit of our life back. <laughs> Keep saying we're going to try to simplify it, but it doesn't quite work out that way. So hopefully, the partnership with Griffiths Ashby will help a lot. Yeah, if we won't have to manage distributors and programming and getting paid and all that, and handle that. I think it'll be. I know it'll be great. And they they they're equipped to sell a lot more wine than we can afford to make. Right, right, right. So it's good. So trying to figure out. Kind of eventually, we like to sell. We're trying to figure out you know, what kind of case volumes and things are, are good and where to hang out. And so, kind of slow down on some growth and hopefully pay ourselves a little more. Yeah. So, you're looking more in terms of we reach a, a, a ceiling point in terms of our production, not necessarily we can contract out. Yeah, kind of a little bit. Uh, at least that's what we're thinking now. And uh, stop funneling that all in the growth and start paying ourselves. Enjoy. Which would be Enjoy your, your, your riches, your spoils. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, go off a little more, hang out, do a vacation a little bit. Excellent. Uh, but we've got a pretty good solid plan for a five year plan. So. Yeah. Uh, I guess one of the next big things we're doing is uh, we've always done a Chardonnay, but it's been pretty much at the tasting room. Yep. Where we're developing a program. Uh, it's going to be 5,000 cases of distribution now for Dustin Valley. Okay. Um, and we have it based on, because, you know, they're used to selling Burgundy, that's what they do. So we're going to have it kind of based on a village, would be Boomtown, Premier Crew is what we'll, you know, we're Dustin Valley main hand to a, a higher end Grand Cru. Okay. Uh, and it's going to be all vineyard different blocks and aspects within this vineyard. It's going to be five different clones. We're planting a bunch of Wente uh, uh, clone from Salilo, planted in 1972 with George. We'll up for nine acres, and the rest of it's already planted. We're very excited about that. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, our new winemaker that we hired, Griffin, uh, here at Ramey Winery in uh, Hillsburg and Sonoma. Okay. Yeah. They do a lot of Chardonnay and some Cabernet. Yeah. And David Ramey's a consultant down there. And <laughs> Uh, his brother's a head winemaker there, and he worked there for eight years, and he did a lot of Chardonnay. Yeah. So he's Chardonnay's real salad. Yeah. Cool. Excited about that. Yeah, very nice. Excellent. Well, that's all I got for you. Keep making good wine. But I will keep drinking wine. Yeah. And thanks for listening. As always, you can visit me at the Aaron Burdoff Wine and Food Experience. That's www.aaronberdoffewine.com. See you guys later.